church, let's stand and worship. Sin of the world, his blood breaks the chains. 
Sometimes as a Christian, it feels like we're losing the battle. It feels like God isn't in control. He's not on the throne. It feels like things aren't going according to God's plan. It feels like it's, he's less great than we think he is, especially when you see all of this going on around you. But scripture says that he knows the end from the beginning. God has purposed history to work for the good of those that love him and the glory of God. How great is our God that he can take calamity and turn it into goodness. He takes the cross and he makes it salvation for every single person that's gonna come to know Jesus. How great is our God.
purchasing your church we love you God I pray that you would not let this church gathering get old but you would fill us with a renewed awe for who you are every time we come in these doors church by the beach. Good morning. Oh, come on. I need to hear a good morning from you. Good morning, church by the beach. Oh, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. Um, so we have vacation Bible school coming up virtually. Um, I'm so excited. It's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 7 p.m. Um, and so if you haven't registered, go ahead and do that. Uh, register your kids at churchbythebeach.org. Um, and so I wanted to say something though. Um, there's people that have asked me, well, how can I be a part of Vacation Bible School? It's on Zoom. So there's, there's been work done, but it's kind of been, you know, I've been able to have different ones help here and there. But I just want to thank you for your giving because when I go to the store and buy prizes, it doesn't come out of my pocket. So you are investing in our kids and investing in this generation. So I want to thank you for that. And then the other thing is pray. I've never done a virtual vacation Bible school. And so technology makes me nervous to completely rely on that. Um, but, you know, I always have something in my hip pocket if it doesn't, you know, work out the way it does. So pre please pray for, um, you know, to reach out to the kids and who needs it, uh, because that's what it's all about. It's, it's about our kids and um, the generation now. Um, so I just want, wanted you guys to hear my heart on that. And then today is what? What's the, ho what's the holiday? Father's Day. So I had to borrow a tie from a friend of mine and had to make sure that I had Mr. Gordon back there help me tie it because I have no idea what I'm doing uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, um, But I just wanted to tell you guys, happy Father's Day um, to the ones that, are, that have kids, the ones that are spiritual fathers. Um, my dad did not raise me in church. So while I'm thankful for him and I love him to death, um, he didn't raise me in church, so I had a lot of mentors and a lot of father figures in the church. So I want to thank you guys, the stepdads that are out there, and even like the moms that are, you know, doing both mom and dad. So um, thank you, and I want to wish everybody a uh, happy Father's Day. And so today I wanted to talk about Ephesians 6 1. 
And it says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord for this is the right thing to do. Hey, kids, look up at me. I need, I need your eyes. I'm going to do a Miss Margie moment. I need your eyes. Uh, we need to listen to our parents. Why? Because they love us and they know what's best for us. Hey, adults, you that have, you know, the parents that are still living, me included, um, listen to your parents. Listen to your, your mom, your dad, and your grandparents and the uh, adults that God has placed in your life. Um, and because they mean a lot. And so I just wanted to share that with you guys, um, that we need to listen to our parents. Why? Why? Not because Miss Margie said so, but because the Bible says so. Got it? All right, who are we going to listen to? Our parents. Come on, I know you guys can do better than that. Say our parents. All right, all right, let me pray with you. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for everything you've given us, God. I just ask you right now, God, a special blessing on the fathers today, God. I ask you right now, God, to bless each and every household, God. Bless each and every one, God. And just an extra special blessing that the fathers would have a great day today, God. And uh, have your will and your way in service. And God bless Pastor Kevin today as he brings the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Can we give our fathers a hand up? Yeah. Absolutely. We love all of our dads. We love our moms. We love everybody. All right. You know, I listen, I'm going to share a story with you guys that the first service did not get. That's good. Right. It pays to come to the second service. It's not just leftovers. All right. Do you like that? You know, OK, whatever. Anyway, so so uh, yesterday I'm uh, I'm in the backyard and my wife and I, we have uh, put together this garden this year. You know, everything we plant. If you give us a plant, if we plant something, we kill it. We just kill it. I mean, this is how it is. And uh, so yesterday I was out in, in the yard and, and I was, uh, you know, in, in the garden. I was taking some weeds out, this, that, and another. And so I come back over to, to go onto the deck and I'm walking up the steps. And my youngest, Caden, our six-year-old, he's sitting there and, you know, he's standing there. And, and I'm like, okay, what's he want? You know what I mean? Like he only comes for me when he wants something because it's just, it's just how he is. So he comes up to me and he stands there and, and, I, and I stand in front of him and I'm getting ready for the request, you know? And he just wraps his arms around me and gives me this big hug, right? Oh, right? Oh, it's so, so precious. And then it's, oh, by the way, can you get me some sweet tea, dad? <laughs> you know, so dads, you know what? You know, we're, just take the appreciation when you can get it, okay? This is your day, enjoy it. Anyway, so last week we started um, a, a, a new sermon series called Letters. And what we're doing here is we're looking at the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the church in Revelation. And we're taking a, a look at it at how it was not only meant for that day and age and for those churches, but that it's also meant for us today as the body of Christ. So let's jump right into our scripture. I'd encourage you to check out our website, churchbythebeach.org. Under latest message, you can get the whole sermon notes there. You can put your own notes in and then you can email it to yourself. It's fantastic, all right? But anyway, Romans, or excuse me, Revelation chapter two, verses eight through 11 says this, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, right? These are the words of him who is the what? First and last who died and came to life again. Can we just stop there for a minute and be like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. He goes on to say, I know your afflictions and your poverty, 
Yet, what? You are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not, everybody say do not. Be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says or the Holy Spirit says to the churches, the one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Last week, we looked at the church of Ephesus. Now this week, we're looking at the church in Smyrna. And for those of you who are history enthusiasts, you're going to hear a bit of history here before we get into the, uh, I guess, application side of things. Smyrna is located 35 miles north of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus no longer exists, but Smyrna is still in existence today, and it's actually called Izmir, which is in Turkey, the country of Turkey. Uh, Smyrna has been in existence 1,000 years before Christ. It was a city that had been leveled by wars, but again was rebuilt, and there was a general who was very uh, infamous here. He was very famous for being a part of the infrastructure and the rebuilding process. And that is General Lysimachus. Try to say that. All right. Just it's, I murdered it probably. But he's one of the four generals that served under Alexander the Great. Now, he restored Smyrna to such a greatness that the citizens of Smyrna boasted with these words. We once were dead, but now we live. Now, there's some things historically about the city that is fascinating. It was splendid. It was from the Mediterranean Sea, and you would ascend up through the city to Mount Pegasus, where atop of the mountain were beautifully designed buildings that from a distance caused that mount of the city to take on the appearance of a great crown. And so they called the peak of that mountain the crown of Smyrna or the crown of life. Smyrna was the birthplace of Homer within scripture. It was Smyrna where emperors uh, were worshiped. In fact, the Roman emperors were elevated to such a level as gods and they called them uh, Caesars within Rome. Now, something that is interesting about this letter that we see here that Jesus was writing to this church is that this letter was extremely encouraging. It had no negative words about it. There was no rebuke. There was no criticism. Jesus is actually being assuring to them, which is far different than the letter that we read last week when it came to Ephesus. Now, let's take a look at some scripture foundation for us before we move forward. And let's go to Revelation chapter one, verse four. It says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Now we understand Jesus is the one who was authoring. He's the one who was writing these letters, okay? And he's uh, first bringing this to what? John, John's um, thought. Now let's move on. Verses 12 through 13 says, I turned around, that's meaning John, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, 
I saw, what was this? We saw this last week. Seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands were someone like a son of man. Now, we knew this from last week's message about the lampstands and what they represent. They represent really, you know, they're, they're representing the churches and Jesus in this or our witness. And Jesus is what? In the midst of those lampstands. So what does that tell us? That Jesus is in our midst. He's always with us. All right, let's move on. Verse 20 says the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands. Now, remember, whenever the Bible mentions about something being in the, in the right hand, what is it referring to? It's referring to strength and it's referring to protection and it's referring to what? Direction. All right. So it says uh, in the right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars of the angels. Now we know that the angels, the word angels in the original language is translated as anglos. Anglos meaning messenger. So this letter is intended, written from Jesus, to the messengers of these churches. Messengers today would be defined simply as what? Pastors, all right? And then it goes on to say, of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So Jesus is writing here to the seven churches in Asia Minor that were actually geographical locations. So these are actual places. But what you need to understand here is that as Jesus is writing these letters to these churches, we need to know that he's not writing to a building like we are in right now. His letter is not to be just directed to the church building but his letter is to be directed to the body of Christ, the church in essence, understanding that you and I are the church. It's not the building that we are in. This is a great facility that we get to come to and assemble into. But even when we're outside of here, we are still the church. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. Now, let me ask you this. Here's a challenge. Are you a part of the body of Christ or are you simply just a part of a building? Think about that. Are you in the closeness, in the intimacy, in the relationship with Jesus? Are you merely in this because it's a building? Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 helps us to understand that we are the body of Christ. It says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts, what? form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. What's fascinating to me about this is that, is that all of us with all of our different abilities and, and, and uh, know-hows that we are and contribute to being part of the body of Christ in unique ways. You have teachers, you have preachers, you have musicians and song people, you have cafe workers when we can have that open. Who misses the cafe, right? Thank you. 
right? You have greeters out here, people open the door, parking lot attendants, you know, and those are just a few things. You have people who are wiping down the place and fogging the place up every week, several times a week now, you know? And so you have all of these different attributes of the body of Christ, but you also have entrepreneurs. You have businessmen and women. You have people who, who anybody a talker? Like you could literally have a conversation with the wife. I think Miss Margie could do that. All right, I, I really do. What I'm getting at is we all have our own place within the body of Christ. And we need to allow God to use that functionality so that we can be a part of fulfilling what is that great commission. Now, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a look at several different things that we can pull away from this scripture because we know this, this scripture, this letter that is being written is very positive. When we walk away from here today, you should walk away enriched, equipped, excited, regardless of the season of life that you're in, knowing that God has your side, knowing that he is encouraging you, knowing that he's, his hand is upon your life. So here's one of the first things we learn within this passage of scripture. And that is this, I'm reminding you of who I am in your life. How many of us need some reminding of who Jesus is in our life? Absolutely. Jesus is using every situation within your life to remind you of who he is. Revelation chapter two, verse eight says this, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these are the words of him who was the first and the last who died and came to life again. Do you remember in the story when Jesus was born, the Magi, right, um, of Persia, they came before Joseph and Mary and they were bearing gifts. What did they have? They had gold, they had frankincense, right? We understand that. And they had myrrh. Now, myrrh is very interesting here. Uh, the, the reason why is because it's coming from the city or the church that we're talking about today. In fact, the name Smyrna has the word, what, myrrh in it. The reason for this is because there was a tree in this region that if they were to cut it down or they were to slice it in any way, there would be a, a resin that would come from it, a liquid form that would come from it. Now that liquid form did not have much value in that moment, but what would happen is they would allow it to dry. And when they allowed that resin to dry, then they would go ahead and crush it. When they crushed that substance, it brought forth this amazing fragrance and that's where we get myrrh. And that's how we, we understand that these Magi, they brought this and, and it was very expensive. So there was a lot of value in something being crushed. Keep that in the back of your mind. So this letter is coming to this church and what is flowing from this letter is something far incredibly full of value, bringing insurance. And it was something that they needed to have in this season kind of like the season of life that we may be going through right now. Revelation chapter one, verse eight says this, and speaking of Christ, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord. What? Who is, that's right now, who was, and we understand to be what? Is to come. What is he? He is the almighty. So regardless of what we've been going through in life, we know that Jesus was, the Savior is the Savior and will forever be the Savior for humanity. All humanity has to do is simply accept him. Now, 
For this church, there was great significance. Let's take a look in Revelation chapter one, verse 19. It says, write therefore what you have seen. That's Jesus speaking to John, telling him to write these things. What is now and what will take place later? What amazing comfort this is for the church of today. Because we know who what? Who not only is right now and who has been, but who is going to be as our future. That he has us in his hand. What is happening for us is that Jesus has written a letter who are, for those who are in fear, in anxiety, in uncertain times, for those who are in anguish, and for those who are in unrest. Jesus recognized where they were emotionally and spiritually speaking, he wrote a letter of encouragement. Sounds like right now that we could use in our culture and society today a lot of encouragement. The second thing we are reminded is this. I'm reminding you of what I know about your life. That is encouraging and also scary. There are some things I just wish Jesus did not know about my life. We have all witnessed, we have all lived some of those moments where we are not very proud, are we? Let's take a look. Revelation chapter two, verse nine. He says this. I know. Everybody say no. I know your afflictions and your poverty. He's not necessarily speaking of your, 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 you know, how much money you have or what your wealth may be monetarily. He says, I know your afflictions and your, and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. What God wants us to understand is that if our life is called upon to go through a crushing and a persecution of this world, it's not necessarily by accident. There are some things we go through that maybe God not only initiates, but that he also allows us to go through. Just as that resin has to have that drying period and then that crushing time in order for the true value to come forth, sometimes we in our lives must go through the same process. Have you ever prayed a prayer, God, break me? That's a dangerous one, isn't it? I've prayed that and went, whoa, God, forget what I just said. You know, stop right there, Lord, please. All right. The persecution, the labeling, the left out, the look down upon because of his name is actually making us rich in his eyes. You know, here's something that we know about God. He's omniscient. OK. Uh, God allows himself to know everything about every act of love and kindness that's ever come from your life. God knows about that. God knows about every wrong that has been done against you in life. It's kind of like, you know what? I want to take revenge on them because obviously God doesn't know what they've done. Let me help you out. God knows what has happened. How about this? God knows about every sickness that has gone on in my life and what is to come. God says, I know exactly where you are. But yet Jesus says, even in your despair, even in your unbelief, even in your anxieties and uncertainness and your, un in, in, in your wavering faith, listen, yet you are still rich. Watch this scripture in James chapter two. It says this, verse five. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, 
Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and, and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? Let me help you out. You, you are not citizens of this kingdom. Your mere existence is a vapor compared to your eternal existence. I'm going to throw off some scripture references here and paraphrasing them. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 talks about the sparrow falling to the ground. Will not your heavenly father notice you if he notices them? Luke chapter 12, verse 7. He understands what? He knows the hairs of our heads and he's numbered them. And some of you, you have less. That was good. I, I didn't throw that in on the first one, but I just felt the need to do that right now. All right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How much more? <laughs> the guys are like, it wasn't funny. It was not funny, Pastor. How about this? Philippians 4, 6 re refers to us to not be what anxious about anything. Why? Because God's got this under control. He knows about what's going on in your life. Psalms 103, 13, as a father pities his own children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. Or in other words, in reverence and respect. Uh, Psalms 103, 14, we are as dust in our own strength, yet he knows our weakness. How prone are we to worry? Matthew 6.30, if the flowers are here today and gone the next, how much more does your heavenly father care and provide for you? Mm. He's reminding us of, of and, and you and me of what he knows about our lives. But he's also reminding us of this. I'm reminding you of what I'm doing in your life. Let me help you out here. God is doing stuff in your life. There's never been a season as a Christ follower where God has not been involved. Never been a waking moment where God's hand has not been upon your life. God is working. God is moving. We don't always see that. We don't always understand that. That's why it's imperative for him in this scripture as he's writing to this church who was going through, who, who, who was being put down because of being a part of the body of Christ. He's showing them their value and their worth and saying, listen, I'm reminding you of what I'm doing in your life. I've even had to be reminded of all of that as we've been in this quarantine season and this face mask season and this civil unrest season that God is still saying, I'm still moving and working in my church. I've set a platform for my church. God is using you now. Revelation Chapter two, verse 10 says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. That 10 days thing seems to hang up everybody. So let me give you a little information about that. 10 days here refers to the Roman persecution that began with Nero. There were 10 emperors who deliberately was torturing and persecuting Christians in this season. And it started with Nero and ended with Diocletian in 284 AD. So you can get that out of your mind now, okay? Let's move on with the scripture. Jesus says, do not be afraid. Why? Because he says, I don't see a need and you shouldn't see a need. Don't be afraid right now. Don't be in doubt. I'm controlling this. Of what? You don't know, but I'm aware of everything now and anything which refers to the future. He's aware of what's going on now in your life and he already knows what's going to happen later on. You, he goes, you are about to suffer. In other words, look, it hasn't happened if it's not underneath my command. He already knows what's taking place. 
He says this, I tell you, the devil will. Do you know this? The devil is localized. He's not like God. He's not everywhere. He's not, not omniscient. He doesn't have an omnipresence. He's, he does not have that. God is, or, or, or the devil himself, he's localized. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, man, the devil is fighting me right now. So he's taking all the time out in his world to come and attack you specifically. No, you're giving him way too much credit. We serve a God, though, who is everywhere at all times. He's with you when, wherever you are now, wherever you're going to be later on. He's with every single person. He's with us always. And he's reminding us right now that he's wanting to do a work within our lives. I mean, 1 John uh, 4 and 4 says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Do you know the devil is what to steal, kill and destroy? Do you know that the devil, he's a what? A liar and the father of all lies. So let me remind you again, God is doing what? He's working in your life. You know, suffer means to experience a sensation of pain or the direct assault of something of unnatural or unusual pain. It's an infliction or, or it, is, it is vexated by another with the intent to cripple, torture and martyr you. So if I have to go through suffering and persecution as being a part of the body of Christ, Jesus reminds us that even in that moment, what that crushing, there's a sweet fragrance that's coming from us. There's value in you. And he's bringing that out. Watch this in Ephesians chapter six. Starting with verse 10, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. Do you know God is mighty? He is all powerful. He says to do this, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is culture, society, the world right now needs to hear this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the what? Full, not partial. Full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that's right now. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. And with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. No, it's not a gospel of chaos. It's not a gospel of indirection. It's not a gospel of, you know, anger and fault. It's a what? A gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Amen. The fourth thing he's reminding us is this. I'm reminding you of what I have for your life. God has such a wonderful plan, a purpose and a will specifically for your life. Revelation chapter two, verse 10 reads this way. Be faithful even to the point of death and I will give you life as your victor's crown. There's no doubt this life is brief, but there is also no doubt that death is but for a moment. And for us to be faithful, to stop worrying. 
I, I enjoyed this quote this week and it says, we have become so fearful of something that is only transitional that will send us into the eternal. First Peter chapter five, verse four says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive what? The crown of glory that will never, that means it's permanent. It's not seasonal. It's not temporary. But he says that you will never, it will never fade away. Philippians chapter three, verses 10 to 11. I love this. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and what participation in his sufferings. In other words, he's wanting to, what the apostle Paul is writing here, I want to embrace these sufferings because they're building my faith, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We get this, the myrrh came forth because of the crushing. We understand that gold comes forth from a sifting and an agitation. Diamonds come forth from intense heat and pressure. Everything that's ever been of value and that we consider to be of value has come through something that has not been pleasant. So when we look at this day and age, we look at the society, the time that we are living in right now, we can go through the crushing and the persecution and the pressing and the fire and all of this to know that God is bringing the best out in his church. And there's a fragrance that's coming out that's impacting this world and it's making a difference in people's lives. You don't have to be excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'm excited knowing that what God is doing and allowing us to go through is placing the church on a platform to make a difference in the world that we are living in. Amen. And fifthly, this is what he's reminding you. I'm reminding you of what I promised you in life. Revelations chapter two, verse 11 says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit or what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious or who is overcoming will not be heard at all by the second death. As you listen to God's word, as you're prompted by the Holy Spirit in your life, as being a follower of Christ, you will not experience that second death. The first death is when our bodies naturally dies in this world. But the second death is when your soul dies into eternity. See, the second death is when your soul dies. It's not asleep. It's awakened. It suffers an ongoing and perpetual death. Can I help you out what that's called? Hell. The believer has no place in the second death. Only those who reject Jesus Christ. John 16 and 33, would you stand with me? Says this. I have told you these things that in me you may have what? Peace. We may not see peace around us, but we can experience peace inwardly. This world and this culture and this society has no peace, but the church has this peace. He goes on to say, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's a promise. That's a promise in the word of God. He says, I have overcome it. 
Even before it's happened, I have already overcome it. Even before anyone could ever think of it, I have already overcame. Even before it came out of their mouths and before it was demonstrated, I have already overcome all of this. John chapter 14, verse six says this, and these are the words of Jesus. It's a great gospel message. He says, I am what? The way. I am the truth. Don't we need some truth? Oh my goodness. And he says, I am, and what? The life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? Maybe you're here in this facility or maybe you're watching us online and you have not made a decision to allow Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. Let me help you. Today can be the day of salvation. Today can be the day where your eternal future changes. Today can be the day where repentance takes place and you go away from who you once were into the plan of God, into the purpose, into the will that he's placed over your life. But it takes something from you. That pulling, that nudge that you feel, let me help you out. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Attracting you and bringing you in to the church. And if that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer. In fact, as a church, I want us all to pray this prayer aloud this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today I accept you as my master, my savior, and my Lord. Forgive me of my sins and I repent of my lifestyle. And I ask you, Jesus, to place me in your will, your purpose, and in your plan. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that? Amen. You know, it never gets old to me. Every time I pray that prayer, I, I see myself February the 6th, 1997, when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. It just replays over and over. But you know, this letter that Jesus was writing to the church in Smyrna was an encouraging letter. It was an assuring letter. It was a letter giving them hope. And it wasn't only meant for them, but it was also meant for us today as the body of Christ, as the church to give us encouragement, to give us a hope, to give us a peace in these very unsettling times. I encourage you, you know, the Bible tells us that if we read the book of Revelation, you'll be blessed. You will be blessed. What does that really mean? That means you're aligning yourself into the perfect plan and will and purpose of God. You're aligning yourself into what He has envisioned for your life. And to me, there's nothing like being in the will of Jesus. So I want to encourage you, encouraging myself as I say this, to stay focused upon God's word, to, to understand he's working in our lives. He's reminding us that he's got a future, that he's got promises over your life. He knows what you've been going through. He knows what you're gonna go through tomorrow. He knows what he's already brought you out of today. That he is the Lord of your life. Can I pray with you this morning? Let's pray. Father. I thank you for all of these who are here and all of those who are watching this online. God, you're doing a great work. Lord, you have, I rejoice in this moment, Father, 
because you have given us an encouraging word. God, that you are working in our lives, that you're reminding us of who you are. You're reminding us, Father, Lord, that you know what we've been going through, God, so much, Lord Jesus, that you want to yet still do. God, as the body of believers, as a church, Father, we say, God, do your work through us. God, we, I, I want this opportunity that you have placed us in, this season of life that you have placed us all in, God, for because such a time as this, the Lord, that we not allow it to go to waste. But God, that as we're going through these crushing moments and these persecuting moments, Father, that we will go through, because Lord Jesus, you said we will go through trouble. We will go through trials. We will go through tribulations. But God, that while we're going through it, Lord, that that sweet aroma of your gospel of peace will come from us. We will, part, uh, we will be such a, a great part of the fulfilling of that great commission. And we will see others coming to the saving knowledge of you, Jesus Christ, and coming into relationship. And for that and because of that, Lord, I say thank you. And God, we love you. Father, as we end this day together, I want to repeat what the psalmist said. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. We love you guys. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy it.